Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. We've got stocks a little changed, catching a bit after Jerome Powell's language from his speech in Sweden that leaves nothing new for investors to think about. Let's talk big picture. Let's consider the outlook with Daniel Altman, chief economist at InstaWork, who describes uh, 2023's crystal ball as looking pretty psychedelic, are your words, Daniel. Welcome to the show. What does that mean? Psychedelic because what we're seeing in the core forecast, which is things getting a little bit better, you know, inflation more and more under control, possibilities for a soft landing, is rather divergent from what we see at the edges of the forecast because there we have some tail risks like potential conflagration in Ukraine, the potential for something like a financial crisis spurred by the British pensions, which were over leveraged. We can see some things creeping out of the woodwork that could kind of ruin any rally for stocks at the same time as the overall forecast is getting better. So there's a lot of stuff swirling around in there. That core of improvement, as you describe inflation slowing down, how much does it need to slow down for that to be a good thing? Improving from uh, disastrous to bad still is bad. Where are we along that spectrum? Well, if we look at inflation in the second half of 2022, it was really pretty close to the Fed's targets by some measures. And what we're hoping to see is more of the same in 2023. We do know that in certain industries like food production, for example, we're likely to see inflation of closer to 3% just because of some of the idiosyncratic factors that have affected those markets. We may see more inflation in energy depending on what happens in Ukraine and elsewhere. House prices are coming down though. You can argue that that sector is already in recession. And so, you know, the overall inflation picture isn't so bad, but I think the Fed is going to be very concerned about maintaining their credibility and they're going to be very loath to make any pivot on rates in the near term. Uh, which uh, goals of theirs do you see us getting close to? Because they've told us they want PCE 2% and we're at five and a half. Yeah, well, you know, if you look at the annual figures, that's one thing. But, you know, those are based on a lot of old data. We average 12 months. And so what we're really more interested in is the more recent months, not just PCE, but inflation expectations, because those can be self-fulfilling on the part of consumers and businesses. And I think that those are trending steadily downwards, and we're probably in a pretty good position. I think the Fed just wants to make sure that that really sticks. Okay, so the month over month shows us the rate of change is cooling down. Do you expect that to drive Powell's actions or will we need to see a big drop in the level? Well, I think that the Fed, as I said, is concerned about credibility. They don't want to take their foot off the brake too soon. And they also want to make sure that they have plenty of ammunition when the next recession comes along, however deep it might be. And so I, I don't think that the Fed is going to change its policy anytime soon. But, you know, they have said that they are looking at moderating the pace of interest rate increases. We've heard targets around 5% for the Fed funds rate. And I think that they'll continue with that policy, but they'll probably feel a little better about it right now than they might have a few months ago. Okay, how much of this will uh, be based on the employment situation and uh, does it look like it's accommodating uh, a drop in inflation fast enough to provide relief for investors? We can talk about the inflation as sort of an economic uh, discussion and fascination, which is always fun, but what about for those who are parked largely in long risk assets and equities? It's been painful stocks and bonds going down together the past year. Does any of that change? Well, you know, the traditional dynamics between stocks and bonds have been broken for quite some time. I don't know if we should even call them traditional anymore. 
But uh, when we're looking towards the future, what we're looking for is growth coming from the traditional sources. You know, if you're a long-term, long investor, you're looking for innovation and entrepreneurship being the sources of growth. And I think one area where we're seeing a lot of innovation is where we're active, which is in the labor market. I mean, the, the flexibility of scheduling, remote work, the ability for people to be more autonomous and control their own destinies in the labor market is probably very positive. It's probably one of the things that has helped to keep unemployment rates so low and is gradually chipping away at the frictional and structural unemployment in the market. Those things can only be good in the long term. What's the move for this year? Should we still be avoiding stocks? Should we be avoiding growth stocks? Should we be avoiding bonds? What is that process of uh, seeing it all clear and starting to dabble in the stuff that has been beaten down? Well, you know, it really depends on your time horizon and your overall strategy. Uh, I'm not here really to give investment advice so much, but if I look at the overall economic outlook, then I think that we can be optimistic, especially with some early stage companies that are on a more solid footing than some of the ones that have had to lay off a lot of people. You know, when interest rates go up, it means that a lot of companies that haven't shown revenue growth are in trouble because they can no longer obtain financing so cheaply. So look for those companies that do have revenue, you know, whether they're early stage or whether they're already listed in the market. These are the ones that are going to be able not just to retrench during this potential downturn, but also to put some distance between themselves and the competition, perhaps through acquisitions, perhaps through competitive uh, uh, innovations, through picking up talent. They have a lot of different ways that they can do it when there's that separation between the companies with revenue and the ones without. You uh, write in your article to beware of naked swimmers to that point, referencing uh, the uh, buffetism about when the tide goes out, we find out who's uh, swimming without shorts. Some of these companies uh, seemingly look like uh, it's not surprising to see uh, the pain that's happening. Uh, businesses uh, with questionable uh, products, services that either don't make money or we're still figuring out what they do exactly. Coinbase with another big layoff today as an example. But then, of course, there's a lot of recognizable big tech companies that have been around for much longer that are also making layoffs. How much of that can stay quarantined into this sort of speculative tech growth area as we already see it moving into some of the giants? Does that eventually find its way into companies that haven't told us they're making layoffs already? Yeah, I think that's a big question, whether these sort of tech-centric layoffs are going to spread into the more blue-chip industries, the more blue-collar jobs. Uh, I certainly don't see it in a sector like leisure and hospitality, which is still short hundreds of thousands of jobs from where it was pre-pandemic. I mean, they're still desperate to hire there. Uh, but there are other sectors that might start to suffer a little bit. You don't want to be fooled, though, by the dynamic that happened earlier this year, where there was this huge shift in consumer spending from goods delivered to their homes towards services that they consumed outside their homes. That was driven by a lot of pent-up demand and the excess saving from the pandemic. And we don't really see that being repeated in this year to come. We're probably going to see more of the usual balance between spending on goods and services that we would have seen even pre-pandemic. And so some of those companies that got left with low orders and high inventories in the manufacturing retail sector probably won't see a repeat of anything that bad this year. So we're a little bit more optimistic about those sectors and their ability to create employment and jobs. Uh, it, it, if we see higher layoffs, it's probably going to be in those companies which have seen profits suffer this year. All right. The psychedelic ball sounds uh, uh, generally 
uh, colored by uh, cool colors and, and hope and, and optimism. Daniel, thanks for the thoughts this morning. Appreciate the contribution. Really good stuff. My pleasure. Daniel Altman is the chief economist at InstaWork. All right, go check out the article on Forbes.com.